appropriately enough on a winter storm, or I guess fall storm weekend, that we talk about being firmly planted like a tree that does not need to fear. Uh, that's kind of what we've been going over over the last couple of weeks. Um, I really appreciated Doug's communion thought as he prepared us for communion this morning by singing that song, Jesus Paid It All. And I uh, kind of referred back a little bit in my mind to what we talked about last year, or last week, excuse me, in where we find our identity, where we find our identity fully in Jesus Christ. And it's not, it's not based on the things we do, it's, it's that he has given it to us, and it's rooted in, in who he is. And, and this idea that Jesus paid everything shows us that value that we have, that he saw you as worthy to be purchased, right, to be to be, you know, warts and all. He, he desired us and he purchased us, not because of us, but because of who he is. And, and that's really this idea of, uh, of being rooted that we're, uh, where we've been studying about over the last couple months and through the rest of this month. I just wanted to take a moment, a little pause for a moment, and I just wanted to say welcome to, to Mr. Mills Harriman right over here. Uh, good morning, Mr. Harriman. Um, Mr. Harriman, uh, I call him that because he was my fourth grade elementary school teacher. Many of you in here know him, actually, from his years at Hawley in, in Brownsville, I think, and, and uh, we are honored to have you here this morning. He's living over in Avamir now, and, and our bus was able to pick him up, so thank you for being here this morning. It's a joy to be able to, to, to uh, share in worship with you. Uh, amazing man. I'm probably going to embarrass him by saying that, but a big impact on me in my life, so thank you. Um, anyways, uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 or 7 is where we've been starting off each week, and we're going to do that again this morning. Read, with, uh, read uh, along with me if you'd like, or, or just listen. It says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I love this passage. It's, it tells us that the necessity, the need to be firmly entrenched in Jesus Christ. And as a result, there are things that happen to us as we grow in our faith. We, we uh, overflow with thankfulness. And just like what Doug said just a moment ago, with that Jesus paid it all. Not because of what we've done. We don't earn anything from God. He gives us. He chooses us. And so our response is not to earn, but to be thankful. And so our rooted, being rooted in Jesus is, is being thankful. Today we're going to look at another passage of Scripture that kind of builds on this idea. It's kind of a parallel passage, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, a body of believers, a body of Christ followers, and he echoes this thought that we hear in Colossians chapter 2. So this morning we're going to pick up about halfway through verse 17. Now, uh, for those of you who might be relatively new to the Bible, uh, the verses that we find within Bible, those little numbers that designate the verses and the chapters, those were added later, right? They weren't written. When Paul wrote his letter to the, to the church at Ephesus, he did not include chapters and verses. That was something that was created by man to help us to reference where we could find ideas and thoughts within Scripture. And so this morning, we're actually going to pick up halfway through verse 17 because it's starting kind of a new thought for Paul here. And he says this, he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Okay, so Paul here has a prayer, a desire uh, for the people here of Ephesus, for those Christ followers within Ephesus, and, and for you and I. He has a desire. It's the same desire, that we may have power. 
They have power. Now, uh, that idea of power isn't that we would have some superpower, be a superhero, but that we would have certain abilities. We would have a special, fully, uh, be fully able to do something, right? Have the full ability to do something. And that, that something is two-parted. The first is to grasp, and the second is to know. Depending on your translation, those words may be a little bit different. But to grasp means to understand, right? He wants us to have the ability to understand the greatness of God's love. And then he says, I want you to know it, which may seem like, why is he repeating himself here? If he wants us to understand it, why does does he say the next thought that he wants us to know it? Because those are the same words for the same idea. But within Greek, the words are different. And that word for for grasp, again, is to to be able to understand, where the, the word for know is to experience. It's to know with such um, with such a passion and understanding that we actually feel it and have, have felt or have experienced it. That's the greatest word I can use, experienced it for ourselves, right? And so he's saying, I want you to know about God's love. I want you to have an intellectual ability to acknowledge it, but then I want you to have felt it. I want you to have seen it in your life at work and know the power that it has inside of you to do something that you may be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. Now, this is interesting to me, because as I was reading this passage this week, it, it kind of struck me that here he is praying for us, and, and I would assume that his prayer for us would be something along the lines of, uh, I pray that they will love God more, right? Because we know that we are lacking in love, right? We, we have a, a level of love, but, but it's not full like God's love. And so isn't he, shouldn't he be praying for us to love God more? But instead, what is he praying for? That we may know and experience love, God's love more, which is it's, it's interesting to me. And it may seem obvious, it may seem obvious that don't all Christ followers know that God loves them? You would think that, right? Doesn't he, don't we know, right? We've, we've accepted Jesus, we heard the gospel message, we just kind of should know. But, you know, here we find him writing these words to this church in Ephesus, these Christ followers, so much that he desires and prays for them to gain this ability, to have this ability to understand God's love. But, you know, I wondered if sometimes, if you're like me, sometimes I don't get it, right? Sometimes I don't understand it. I don't experience it to its, its fullness. I, I don't quite buy it when I hear that God loves me. How about you? I don't buy it sometimes. It's, you know, nothing in life is free, Right? What are, what are, where are the strings that are attached to this deal? Well, there has to be a catch, right? right? There has to be something. There's more to this. You know, God loves mankind. I get it. God died for his church. He died for his people. He died for everybody. I get that. But when it comes down to an individual application, I think that's where my doubts arise. I understand the big picture, but it's harder when it deals with me specifically. Maybe you've experienced that same thing. I'm not so sure that he loves me completely. And self-doubt, and uh, it cre- creeps in. Because I know, I know what I've done. I know that I'm unlovable. Right? Do you ever let those thoughts creep into your head? Right? But God's love is complete. Maybe you've thought this before. Maybe you've even experienced this before. See, you know, we, we as people, we, we do kind of the opposite of God sometimes. Maybe you've had this experience where, where you've had someone tell you they love you. They've even told you they love you unconditionally. 
Right? But then along with that love um, come some demands. Maybe some demands from you that, that you don't want to give into. Or maybe there's some expectations. Some expectations to do what you don't really want to do. And, and then when you've met those demands or expectations, you've lost your sense of self-value and your self-respect. Or if you've refused... And you said, I'm not going to give in to those demands and expectations. Then what happens? You failed to meet them. That person turns their back on you. Or maybe they insult or abuse you. And ultimately, they end up walking away. And so you find yourself, once again, alone and unloved in this world. Sometimes that's what we experience. That's what we know and feel. But that's not how God's love works. His love isn't conditional. There aren't strings attached. It isn't dependent upon what you do, whether you meet or, or fail those expectations. You know, we talked about this last week in our identity in Jesus Christ. It isn't found in our, our successes in life. It isn't found in our abilities. It's only found in Jesus. The love that God has for you is entirely based on who He is. It's on His character. It's on His eternal attributes. It's on his desire to love and to love you. And that love never fails. We read that passage from Lamentations last week. The steadfast love of the Lord never changes. His mercies never come to an end. Right? They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The unfailing love that has been established for you in Jesus firmly roots you to his family. And that, that's amazing. We, as Christ's followers, are fully rooted in God's love. I want to go back for just a moment to that passage that we just read in Ephesians. It says, it says that Paul prayed for us. He prayed for those of us who are rooted in God's love. See, he prays that, that we can have the power, that ability to understand the greatness, the vastness, the depth and the height uh, the width of God's love for us. So we can understand that, right? So we can wrap our brains around it. Then he prays that we can experience it. We can feel it. You know, not just head knowledge, but something that impacts our life. But he says that it's more than just for receiving that love, that it has a purpose. He wants us to know and experience for the purpose of reaching the fulfillment of God. In other words, he wants us to be spiritually mature. That's the reason why he shows, showers this love Upon us, so that we can grow in Him and grow in His love and grow deeper roots into Him. In, in Ephesians chapter four, Paul talks about why he, why, why Jesus, why the Spirit has led the church to have pastors and elders and teachers and the like. And he says that there's a purpose for those, not just to elevate people or to make sure that things get done. No, the reason that He gave those things is so that we could become mature in Christ. And it says in Ephesians chapter four thirteen. That the purpose is to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So he wants us to know, but he wants us to become spiritually mature, which is much more than just head knowledge. Spiritual maturity is the end goal of being rooted in Jesus Christ. And when we are rooted in Christ, we are rooted in love and we will grow in that love. Which is why here at Southside we, we have an existence statement, a purpose statement, right? And I bring this up quite often. Don't put it up on the screen yet. All right. Because <laughs> anyone tell me what that purpose statement is? I'm going to put someone on the spot. 
we exist too. Close, not to make yet, first and foremost to glorify God by making and maturing what kind of disciples? Thank you, biblical disciples. So now you can put it up on the board. For those of you who are new, we haven't been around here very long, here's our existence statement. We exist to glorify God by making and maturing biblical disciples. You see, our goal is to show God's love to other people, but then we ourselves need to become mature in Christ. We need to grow in the love that we've been given. As God pours out his love upon us, it spills over and impacts those around us. So we make disciples, but we mature each other and ourselves in Christ Jesus. Spiritual maturity is the end goal of being rooted. We want to be fully rooted in God's love so that we can grow in our spiritual maturity, not fearing the storms of life and, and, and bearing fruit. And that's really what it comes down to in that bearing fruit, is making more disciples. You know, as we understand that God, uh, the love that God has for us, it allows us better to love those around us. Right? As we have a sense of worth and identity in Christ Jesus, it allows us to interact better and in a more healthy way with the people in our lives, both the people that are within our family, our loved ones, but also those who stand, may stand against us as well. As we find our identity in Him, then I'm not trying to find my identity in the people around us, and I can just be who God created me to be. It's an amazing cycle um, that, that we can find ourselves in when we grow in our spiritual maturity. You know, at, at, many times over the years, last couple of years, I've used Matthew 22, verse 38. Now, Matthew 22, 38, uh, you might know, not know it by that reference, but if I say it, or I begin to say it, you're going to recognize it. The greatest commandment is this. What? Love. The Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength, right? With everything. Love the Lord your God with everything about you. Every part of you, love God fully, completely. Do your best. But we can't forget the next verse, um, Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, because it says, the, it says the second is like it. Okay, the first one is love the Lord your God with everything that you are. The second is like it. What is that second commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's where we struggle a lot of times in our growth of our love. But in Philippians chapter 1, uh, Paul again is speaking about this idea of growing and become spirit, more spiritually mature. He says, this is my prayer, starting in verse 9, that your love will keep on growing. Okay? His desire, his prayer is that your love will keep on growing more and more with full knowledge and insight, so that you may be able to choose what is best and be pure and blameless until the day when the Messiah returns. He wants us to grow in our love. So as we consider this, we are rooted in God's love. right? We have been put on a solid foundation, but now that we have been planted, his desire for us is that we continue to grow, first and foremost, in that love. And as we grow in love, we will bear fruit. So how do we grow in our love? My question for you today, how do you grow in your love? Well, here's my, my proposition. proposition. Oh, I'll think about that later. Um, I believe that we grow in love when we cultivate our spiritual soil. I want you to think about that for a moment. When we cultivate our spiritual soil. What is that? Well, I uh, got out the dictionary. 
this thought came to me, and I wanted to know, what is cultivate? Now, I grew up uh, the, the son of gardeners, and so we spent a lot of time in the garden. So I had a basic understanding of cultivation, and Matt Herb isn't here today to help me out with this, but Jeremy and, and Susan, maybe you guys can, can tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but cultivating is basically this. It's the removing of weeds and the loosening of the soil to optimize the retention and penetration of air, water, and nutrients. Okay, and did you catch that? It's the removing of weeds and the loosening of the soil, basically so that sunshine, rain, and new, um, things from the soil can, can impact the seed so it can grow, right? You till up the soil, you put fertilizer, you water, you let the sunlight fall, right? You, you do those things for the health of the seeds that you plant. So growing in love is when we cultivate our spiritual soil. Here's the deal. You, to cultivate, you really need to disturb the soil, right? Think about it that way. You have to disturb the soil. You have to mix it up. You basically make that soil really uncomfortable. Here's the deal. Growth in our love feels uncomfortable. It can feel awkward. And the fact is, we don't like to feel uncomfortable or awkward. You walk into a room full of people you don't know, how do you feel? Unless you're weird, you probably are like, I don't want to be here, right? Or if you're an introvert like me, I, get me, I don't know these people, I feel out of place, and so it's not an enjoyable moment. But it's an opportunity at the same time, and to get to know a whole new group of people. Right? Awkward situations sometimes are God's way to help us grow. To grow, we have to embrace sometimes discomfort. You know, to, we have to embrace that feeling that this is different, this is odd. It's not, it's not what we're used to, that, that uncomfortable feeling where you're pushed outside of your comfort zone. Right? But if you stay in that comfort zone, then you're not going to grow. You get that? If your soil isn't disturbed a little, you're not going to grow. The seeds of love that have been planted in your heart will stay seeds. They will not develop into mature plants. For the seed to grow of love in your heart into what it is destined to be in Jesus Christ, the soil of your soul must be disturbed. You know, like, like a seed in the soil, love must be grown. It must be tender and nurtured. It, it's not instantly present or instantly mature. It takes time, with the exception of God's love for you, Right? God's love is whole. It's complete. We've talked about that. There is, it's not lacking anything. It's not going to increase or decrease. It's perfect. But we are human. We are not God. And so our love needs attention. It needs, it needs growing. We have to take steps outside of our comfort zone. We must look out for different, a different set of interests than our own. When we just think about ourselves, we become hard-packed soil. And seeds don't grow in hard-packed soil. We need to fluff that soil up by thinking of other people first. We need to remove the weeds from our life, the weeds of selfishness, the weeds of impatience, the weeds of of pride, the weeds of jealousy, things like that. Then once those weeds are removed, then we can get to work on the ground, get to work on the soil. What in your life is making you uncomfortable these days? What is God using to cultivate your spiritual soil? Have you ever asked yourself this question when you feel uncomfortable with something in life? 
Have you ever looked at it and said, what is God trying to teach me? How is he trying to make me grow? Or are you instantly looking for a place to find fault? Are you looking for someone to blame? Are you looking to circle the wagons and protect what is yours and the way things have always been in your life? Are you seeing it for the opportunity that it is? Are you casting blame for your discomfort? Are you embracing it? Instead, maybe it's time for us to start asking ourselves, is this an opportunity for me to grow in love? An opportunity for me to expand in my abilities to love? And expand in my knowledge and understanding and experience of love? To look outside myself and to consider other people? Maybe it is our spiritual soil, once again, being cultivated and providing us with more opportunities. What is your soil like this morning? Is it hard-packed and unyielding? Is it rocky, filled with obstacles and things that are preventing you from embracing the seeds of God's love? Is your soil filled with thorns and weeds, things trying to distract you from what God is offering you? Or is your soil healthy? Has it been cultivated and prepared, ready for what God is le- where God is leading you? You know, in Scripture, in the book of Matthew, there's a parable that speaks to this. I'm sure it's already crossed many of your minds. It comes from Matthew chapter 13, and it's Jesus, and he's teaching about people receiving the message of his love. It goes like this. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house, and he sat by the lake. Such a large crowd, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. People were coming from all over to listen. So many of them were there, he had to get out away from them on a boat so that they could all see and hear him. It's amazing. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seeds. As he scattered the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on the good soil, where it produced a crop. 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. See, Jesus is telling a story, a parable here, that's teaching about the different responses that that people have to God's message when they hear it. The message of Jesus Christ. His life, his, his birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. His return one day, when we share that message of God's hope and God's love, people respond differently. And and I don't think it's just those who are hearing it for the first time that need to learn the lesson of what he is challenging us here. He's challenging us to consider what is your soil? How are you responding to this message? Maybe your soil was once fertile but has become hard-packed. Maybe you have allowed weeds to, to, to spring up. Maybe you have allowed obstacles to come into that soil. He explains it in just a, a couple of verses later. He says in, in verse 18 of Matthew 13, he says, Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. See, we can allow the soil of our heart to be trampled and hardened to the point where we reject God's love and we don't grow in it. That's that's horrible. Verse 20 says, The seed falling on this rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, 
But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Because they've accepted Jesus and they, re- they encounter persecution or difficulties, they, they don't know how to respond. They, they embraced it with joy in the beginning, but when the storm came or the drought arrived, they wither and fade or their tree blows over because it had no roots. Verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Again, someone who hears and accepts and believes, but allows the distractions of this life to get in the way. That allows pursuits outside of pursuing Jesus to to, to, to divert their attention to something that leads them down a different path. Have you ever experienced anything like this? I know I have in my life. All of these. These are dangers for you and I. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. That fertile soil, it nurtures the seed of God's love that has been planted because it's ready and it embraces it, it accepts it, and it grows within it. And what is the benefit? That when the sun is hot, it has deep roots and it still gets nourishment. When the storm comes, it stands firm. But most importantly, what happens at the end result of that fertile soil to that seed? It produces a crop. Not just a little crop, but an overflowing, overabundant crop. Just like the seeds of the gospel message. Love will never grow deep roots into your heart, into my heart, if our spiritual soil is hard-packed, or if it has become rocky and filled with obstacles, or we've allowed weeds to spring up within it. The only, but it's only upon soil that has been carefully and intentionally cultivated that the seeds of God's love can bloom and can take deep root Roots that empower us to stand strong through the trials of life. And roots that nourish our desire to bear fruit. And in Scripture, we know that there are a couple ways that we bear fruit. We bear fruit by sharing the gospel message. The message of God's love with other people. And we increase the kingdom through making disciples. And we know we bear fruit through growing in the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the the outflow of God's love through our actions, through our attitudes. We know those are things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Those are defining attributes of our life as fruit bearers in Jesus Christ, according to Galatians 5.22 really comes down to this. Are we really committed to having, to having soil that is so fertile and cultivated and prepared that we personally have a desire to go out into this world and make and mature biblical disciples? See, as we grow in our personal maturity, this body will grow stronger. And it will be better at meeting and reaching its intended purpose of bringing glory to God, making maturing biblical disciples. So my challenge to you this morning, what is your spiritual soil like? Let's pray.
Father, we uh, this morning come to you in humility. The humility of understanding exactly how much you love us in spite of the things that we've done in this life. And knowing that no matter what we do, we can never earn that love. We can never be worthy of that love, but humble in knowing that you've chosen to give it to us anyways. And so because of that fact, we are thankful and overflowing in that thankfulness. So much so that we let it change who we are. And we desire, Father, to be better people who love better, who bear more fruit for you. So my prayer this morning is that as we go out through these doors, live this time, leave this time of worship and study of your word, that we will take this message of love with us and that we will share it with everyone around us, that we will cultivate our soil intentionally on a daily basis, accepting the seeds of your love and helping it grow to the strong plant, the strong tree bearing fruit for you that you intend for each other. In your precious son's name we pray.